0: Fellowship. Uh, Hi, I'm Isaiah Minan, and I get the privilege to be one of the worship leaders here at Fellowship Fayetteville. and we're so glad that you guys are able to worship with us this morning. This week has been an interesting week for myself. Uh, I felt like I've been going through the motions where I've been doing a lot of church things, but whether it be reading my Bible or worshiping, but I haven't felt like my heart's been in it. Uh, But this morning, as we get to meet together with the Lord, as we get to sing together and encounter with this word, I pray that we would adjust our hearts this morning, even before we sing a word at all. So actually, can we stand? And then I'm gonna pray for us this morning and then we'll get into worship. God, we love you and we're so grateful for all the good things that you've given us, Lord. I pray that you would change our hearts this morning, that we would remember your great promises. Lord, we love you. Thank you. Jesus' name. Sing out, God of Abraham.
1: And God of Abraham, and God of promises, faithful promises. And time and time again, you have proven you do just what you say. And those storms may come in.
2: my hope The shoe boxes, they're so excited.
3: Those faces just transform. Yeah, these kids behind me are so excited
4: because they've just received their boxes. The
3: mouth is wide open, the voice is raised, smiles are all over. That box brings joy.
5: It's a gospel opportunity is the chance for the children to change the entire
6: life. That's what I love about Operation Christmas Child. It knows no borders and knows no boundaries. It's all about sharing the name of Jesus Christ.
2: Churches are doing big things with Operation Christmas Child.
3: Everybody out there who packs shoeboxes,
6: they are spreading God's love. there's has maximum impact in the worldwide kingdom of Christ. I mean, what better thing could you do than be involved in and fill shoeboxes? After receiving the
3: shoeboxes, the children will be invited to go to The Greatest Journey, which is a 12-lesson discipleship program where they learn about the greatest gift, which
1: is Jesus Christ.
3: After
5: a child completes The
2: Greatest Journey, they graduate and receive a Bible in their own language.
5: I'm so glad that you guys have chosen to come worship with us this morning. And so thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, No matter if you're here in the room with us or if you're watching online, we are the church. And we are the church gathered together. And so thanks for worshiping with us this morning. Hey, this is David. This is my three-year-old. How old are you, Dave? Three, he's three. And there's a few reasons I have Dave up here. Uh, The first is... I just think he's really adorable, and so um, that's the first reason. The second reason is I have just loved having David in here with me over the last few weeks as we've gotten a chance to worship together. Even during those first two songs, it's just overwhelming to me to sit with my son and to worship our God and to see him worship and enjoy being together with the body of Christ. Guys, that's the church. That's the church, and that's why we gather, and it's super exciting. But a third reason I have Dave up here is because I've noticed something in David over the last few weeks. Uh, About two weeks ago, we were talking about going to church, and he said, Dad, are we going to building church or street church? Because we've been having church in our front yard for the last few weeks or for a while. And I said, oh, we're going to building church. And I got to thinking about that, and I thought, David is beginning to understand some deep concepts about the church, in his own three-year-old little way, he's beginning to understand that the church is people gathered together, regardless of where we are. And that was a super exciting thing to me, to see God using our current situation to teach him some deep truths about his church. And I've heard from other families that God is doing the same thing in your family as well. And so that's just a super exciting thing to see what God's doing in the midst of all of this. Hey, actually, I'm going to set you down, buddy. He's getting a lot heavier than he used to be. Hey, we've got some exciting things coming up and I just wanna tell you about them. The first is Operation Christmas Child. And so you guys saw um, that video and probably as you walked in, you saw all the boxes on tables out there. And so this is a great way for us to turn our hearts outward during this season. And so as you're leaving, be sure and grab one of those boxes and fill it up and bring it back up here to the church here in a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks ago, we discussed sexuality and talked a lot about that in here, had a panel, and our family ministry team has been talking about how do we help families discuss this together. And we've also been talking for a long time about maybe doing a podcast. And we decided, you know what, let's just dive right in. And so that's what we're doing. We have started a podcast, it's called Post-Eden Parenting, and that name comes from uh, the fact that we're parenting between the fall and Jesus' return, And we hope this will be a helpful resource. The first five episodes, the first five-part series is on discussing sexuality with your kids, and so we're just diving right in with this podcast. So it's available um, right now, uh, the first three episodes, the next two will be coming out here in a week or so, but we would love for you to listen to that, and reach out if there's anything that you would love to hear us kind of discuss on that podcast that would be helpful to you. Send us an email, we would love to hear from you. You know, our family team has continued to pray and plan during this time. We're working to help our families love Jesus more and become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Uh, I just wanted to kind of reintroduce our team leaders to everybody here. So we've got Gretchen Friesen, who oversees our early childhood team. Uh, And then myself, I oversee our um, elementary team. And then Tad Moore, who shepherds our 7th through 12th graders And each of these team leaders leads a team of passionate, amazing people that I wish I could introduce all of them to you, but we don't have time for that this morning. So hopefully you'll get a chance to meet all of them. They're incredible, and they care so much about you and your family and your kids. Now with that, we are excited to announce and let you guys know that our student ministry services, uh, FSM over there, will be starting back November 29th. Yes, so, so if you have any questions about that, you can talk to Tad, the guy that just screamed back there. So we're really, really excited. Now, that we will have 7th through 12th graders all together at the nine and the 1030 service, and so you'll still need to sign up for that uh, and, and register a spot so we know how many people will be there. We're gonna, as best we can with students, have them socially distance over there. It'll be great, and so we're excited that they get a chance to worship um, Uh, Together as a a student ministry. Now, if you're not as comfortable with that, feel free to continue to bring your students in here to worship with you. That's great, too. Uh, But we would love for them to be able to worship over there. Um, You know, I pray that you would be encouraged by what God's doing here at Fellowship Fayetteville. And may you also be encouraged by his word this morning. We're gonna read our passage uh, together. Uh, I'm gonna read it. And as I read it, what I would ask from you is just begin to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you from his word today. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you into his truth and to show you what he wants to tell you today. So I'm gonna read this and you guys pray as I read it. This is 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words.
3: in him this morning as we sing it this is true then came Great and you are good, and Lord, you are faithful now and always. Holy Spirit, would you open our hearts, open our minds to hear from your word this morning that we may leave different than how we came in? Jesus, you are the centerpiece of it all. So this morning, we turn our eyes and our attention to you and ask that you would make yourself even more known to us. God, we need you.
6: Well, good morning, church family. Great to be with you this morning in the presence of the Lord, uh, together worshiping. Um, If I haven't met you, my name's Clark, and I have the incredible privilege of serving as one of our pastors here at Fellowship Fayetteville. And so it's great being with you, our church family. Good to see the kiddos in the room. Hey, this is your chance, uh, kiddos. Let's just hear a big scream out of you right now. This is your freedom, go for it. Let's hear it, just let it out. All right, all right. Okay, now just give me 29 minutes now, and we'll be good. Yeah. Hey, it is good to have our families uh, together in the room uh, this morning. If you're watching uh, live with us online right now, uh, great to have you joining us as well. And uh, I'd love to meet you. And although we're not gathering um, here uh, below the stage after the service or in the foyer, um, please reach out to me. I'd love to answer any questions you have about fellowship. We're grateful that you've chosen to worship with us and uh, would love to get to know you and answer your questions and uh, get you connected to life around Fellowship Fayetteville. Uh, well, we are in election week, and um, this is not a traditional election sermon that I want to share this morning, uh, but we're in our series in First Thessalonians, and it just so happens that our passage deals with the idea traditionally that the church is called the rapture. And so I know some of you that would be an incredible election sermon, wouldn't it, right? And so we're going to dive into that. But in light of just kind of what's going on in our nation, and uh, just want to encourage so many of you with just your faithful prayers um, for our countries. We've been sending out um, emails every day for the last month. Many of you have been gathered in small groups to pray for our nation. I wanted us to do that together as a family of faith as well. And we're going to do something a little bit different and I'm going to ask you to turn around in your chair. We have the space and to kneel if you're physically able. And kiddos, you're welcome to join us in this too. I'm going to kneel up here on stage. And I want to go before the Lord just as a corporate family of faith and just ask him to be with us this week and to work his sovereign hand in our nation. And so if you could and you're, and you're physically able, go ahead and turn around in a chair and we're going to kneel And we're going to ask God to do amazing things this week. Father, your word says that the king's heart is a stream of living water in your hand. It says that you turn it wherever you will. We're reminded to not put trust in princes and human beings who cannot save. And so, Father, first is a family of faith, We say thank you for the privilege and the freedom to be able to be here this morning. We don't take it for granted. Father, help us, help me turn away. Help our nation turn away from the idols of comfort, greed, control, and pleasure. Help us turn our desire for power and control into service and sacrifice. Father, help us turn from the pursuit of happiness to the pursuit of godliness. For those watching and for those of us in the room this morning, help us walk in the fruit of the Spirit this week. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And we ask in the name of Jesus that the gospel would become a reality in the life of each candidate and elected official. That they would be reconciled to you if they are not through faith in Jesus. God, I pray you would put the right messenger in their path today. And give us leaders in government positions who walk in humility and justice for our own good and for your glory. Surround them with wise and discerning advisors and use this election to accomplish your purposes in every tribe, tongue, and nation to hear the good news of the true king. And we pray in his name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you, church, family, Again, I'm more concerned about the posture of our heart this week than I am about uh, physical expression, and there is one day, the scriptures tell us that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, and is that not true? It is, and he is Lord, and he rules and reigns even as we speak right now. He rules and reigns in your hearts, church, and he was ruling and reigning in the hearts of those who were learning how to be the church in the first century in the city of Thessalonica. And that's where we find ourselves this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn uh, to chapter 4 of First Thessalonians. We're going to be looking at verses 13 to 18 together. And if you're new with us, we're winding down a study. We've been in a year-long study called Clarity. Um, today we're, gonna, we're in one of our last few sermons in the book of First Thessalonians. And so this small community of faith They've taken Jesus as king in their heart, and they're trying to figure out how to follow him in a dark culture. So we have some things that we're working through that are very similar to what they were going through. It just had different expressions. You know, seven months ago, almost eight months ago, many of us, we woke up, and every day was a new day, right? There was something different. A pivot had to be made, a new decision on something. There were changes daily, new information, New implications, uh, new ideas, new opinions on what was happening in all things COVID world. And it was another reminder for me that I was not in control and it exposed two things in my own heart my need for clarity and my need for comfort. I want to know and have a clear path forward. And in the unknown, I want to have some kind of sense that I'm not alone in this, or I have something to go to or run to or someone to be with in the middle of the unknown. I know those are the two things that were exposed in my own heart. Maybe these images capture it for you. It felt like some days, especially if you have your own business or company, uh, or depending on what uh, field you find yourself in, each day seemed like, okay, we knew something was going on below us, Uh, something that seemed dangerous. We could kind of see across the way, uh, but the next step forward on a bridge that seemed to be falling apart was the step that day. And we felt that sense of unease or unknown, a shaky step forward, or maybe this captures it for you. Uh, Maybe it's a road, and you could see down the road, uh, but you could only see to a certain point, and then behind that point, it was just black. It was dark. And maybe that was your week, and that's all you needed, just enough road to make it through each week, a plan to get to the horizon, then adjust, then cancel, uh, then reschedule. And our response to the unknown, especially the unknown of the virus that we've been navigating together as a nation, our response, a handful of words that are now common everyday lingo, quarantine, isolate, socially distance. So here we find ourselves in a place of unknown, and our response is to find ourselves alone in the unknown. Now, hear me loud and clear, and I I mean this just as as a pastor, as a dad, as a husband, as a friend. This is not a rant on the world of epidemiology or on our medical community's response to what's been going on in our nation. In fact... I wanted to take this opportunity to say thank you for those who are on the front lines of the unknown. You have borne a very heavy weight in your response to be face to face with those who are ill, who are hurting, and who are staring down an unknown of their own. And so um, would you guys join me in giving those who have served on the front lines of our medical community (laughs) unbelievable spirit. I cannot imagine the weight that you've borne as you've tried to make adjustments in serving our city, even here in Fayetteville. And so I say thank you for that. But what is, is that there is unknown, and there was this this tension that we lived in, this need to isolate. Um, A lady in the summer by the name of Julianne holt Lundstad, she says this, and she wrote an article. It's called The Double Pandemic of Social Isolation. In COVID-19. She says this, it has meant limiting physical proximity to those with whom one lives. For 28% of Americans who live alone, it's meant little to no human contact for months. And this is back in late June. She says this, regardless of the living situation, interactions with anyone outside the home have been limited for everyone. Preliminary surveys suggest this. Loneliness, and I don't know how they Define what that is or what it means, but loneliness increased 20 to 30 percent in those first few months, and emotional distress tripled. She goes on to say, proximity to others, particularly trusted others, signals safety. And many of us were not experiencing that. And on so many levels, it revealed to me, as I read that, uh, that we're most healthy when we have presence in our life. presence of community. We're most healthy for sure when we sense the presence of God in our lives. And so today we find our brothers and sisters in Thessalonica. They're wrestling through some unknown things about what happens to those who die in Christ. Where are they and will they be resurrected? Um, The word that's used in our passage today is the word uninformed. They're living in the unknown, a lack of knowledge about something. And here we see, this is incredible, God's answer to the unknown, and especially being alone in the unknown, God's answer is the clarity of a promise and the comfort of his presence. I'm gonna say that over and over again this morning. I want you to walk away with clarity of promise and comfort of presence. That's what he gives us this morning. And Jesus' promised return here gives us present comfort. Paul does not want them to go on and be uninformed. Uh, there's a sense here, if you read the passage in the context, there's a lot more going on than this idea or thing called rapture. There's actually no hint or sense of fear at all in this passage. It's actually, the passage is designed to be a passage of hope, a passage of promise, a passage of presence, and so we're going to pick it up in verse thirteen. Uh, this passage, uh, uh, verses thirteen and eighteen, provide the bread of a sandwich, if you will, of encouragement. Before we get into the details, in three different times in this letter, there's some kind of reference to this future day of the Lord, this day of wrath, this day of judgment, this this unknown thing out there where God is going to reconcile man with himself through resurrection and bring. Judgment, And this has caused these young believers to have some uncertainty. Well, what happens to my brother or sister in the Lord or my family member in the Lord who's passed away? And so he says this, I don't want you to be uninformed about those who are asleep. As, and I don't want you to grieve as others who have no hope. And at the end, he says, encourage one another with the words that I just shared with you. And those are the words we're going to look at today. And I think they're a huge encouragement For us, Their uncertainty here is rooted in a lack of knowledge of what has happened to those who died in Christ. Specifically, they're wondering when and how does this resurrection thing happen? If this resurrection that's guaranteed by the resurrection of Jesus is supposed to take place, at what time is it supposed to happen and what's it going to look like? And the word that's used to describe those who have passed away is the word asleep here. Uh, it 's just a simple use, a euphemism that the ancients would use to describe those who had passed away, the general stayed with the dead. Uh, many in their day, they believed that there was nothing after death, that we were just physical entities who had no soul or spirit. Uh, some believed there was some kind of spirit existence afterward. And then some believers are just wondering what are the details about what this looks like and how it's supposed to go down. Maybe they, um, they weren't in tune to some of the stories of Jesus when he walked the earth after his resurrection before he ascended and what God was doing um, during those days. But to be clear, this is not some type of purgatorial sleep that's going on or some kind of soul sleep that our brothers and sisters in the Lord are experiencing uh, the word here is, is the word, it's, it's actually how we get our word cemetery. When you move from the Greek to Latin to English, it's, it's the word that's used here, the word that we get our word cemetery from. And just simply put, it's the time between a, uh, when a person physically dies and when they're resurrected to meet the Lord. Paul's very clear about that. And then he tells us what it's rooted in. And it's the good news of the resurrection of Jesus, verse 14 for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, what I'm about to sh- share with you is rooted in that foundational truth. And at the writing of this letter, we are about 16 years or so from that event happening. The gospel message. It reminded me of how Jesus comforted Lazarus and Lazarus' family, when he said, "I am the resurrection and the life." in John chapter 11. Paul comforts with that good news of the bodily resurrection of Jesus because we believe as a church family of faith here this morning that the bodily resurrection of Jesus guarantees our bodily resurrection one day for those that are in Christ. And we believe that's the truth of scripture, the clear promise here. Look at what it says in the last half of 14. God will bring with him, with Jesus, the souls of those who physically died, have died, and he'll bring them back upon his return. So if you've ever wondered where your loved ones in Christ are, your brothers and sisters who have passed away as spiritual brothers and sisters, um, they are with Christ. Paul says and affirms this. You can, if you're taking notes in your Bible, you can uh, write this in your margins, 2 Corinthians 5 eight. Yes, we are of good courage And we would rather be away from the body and home with the Lord. And in Philippians 1, Paul's wrestling through this. He's got this deep desire. He says, I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ for that would be far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. He was willing to stay on this planet for the benefit and the growth of the Philippian church. And there's a sense that when we're apart, From our body, from this earth, we're present with the Lord. It's a clear teaching in Scripture. We get into more details here in uh, verse 15. Paul includes himself as he walks us through this scene right here. He says that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord. Now he's talking about those that are present, not those that have passed. We will not precede those who have fallen Asleep. Interesting note here, Paul includes himself in this. In the way he words this collective term, we, it's, it makes us see, seem to think that he thinks he could be present for the return of the Lord. It's why here at Fellowship Fayetteville, we teach that this scene that we're walking through this morning is imminent. Meaning it could happen at any time could happen in the next second, in the next minute. It could happen today. It could happen this week. but it's And it's technically nearer than it's ever been. It's imminent. And Paul felt the weight and the joy of that. And then we have this scene. It's really cool. You see this coming king, this glorious presence, um, this picture of a king returning to resume his rightful reign. He descends from heaven. And it reminded me another of another promise made in Acts chapter one. If you guys remember as we walked through the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus, uh, we considered his ascension and what his ascension guarantees. You remember that teaching? It's so rich with truth. It says, after a cloud took him up out of their sight, in verse 11, it says this, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And here in this scene, we have him descending, and he's in the air. He's with the spirits of those saints who have passed, and then we have a command. We have a voice, a trumpet, three sounds, three visible expressions of what's going on when this king returns. And we have a new term to describe those who are asleep. They're called the dead in Christ. It says they will rise first, interesting here. If you're wondering, well, how are they going to rise when they're already with him in the air? Well, the resurrection is of the body. It's what Jesus's bodily resurrection guarantees. And so Jesus brings their soul back to be resurrected. And, and, and this is maybe a better word for it. And there's a reunion that, t- that takes place as their body meets their spirit. And so they'll be with the Lord always. That's one of the things that's happening in this scene. And so we have one, the dissension of the Lord, the resurrection or the reunion of the dead in Christ. And now, three, it tells us that those who are alive in Christ, that would be us today, right? Those who are alive in Christ then, at the time, those who are alive, they're caught up. Harpazo is the Greek word for that. And when you move through Latin and into English, it's where we get our idea. Of catching away or rapture. You're raptured up into this moment. Um, Some versions will say snatch or caught up, snatch away. That's what's happening here. Living believers meet the Lord in the air. And that word, that phrase, meet the Lord, it has this idea of a formal meeting of a dignitary. And so we have the king returning and he's making all things right and he's resurrecting those who have died in Christ and he's lifting us up who are currently alive in Christ. And so for believers, it's technically more of a moment of translation for the believers that are alive at this time than resurrection. But let's not miss this. And this is what we need to be encouraged about this morning. Let's not miss Paul's his his grand Focus here. The reason for comfort in this promise we will always be with the Lord. It's the comfort we have as followers of Jesus clarity of promise and comfort of presence. It reminded me of John 14, where he's getting his disciples ready um, as he's heading and making his way. To the cross. And he knew he would be leaving them. And in John 14, 15, 16, he keeps promising them presence through his Holy Spirit, reminding them that they weren't going to be alone in the unknown. And in John 14, 3, he says this If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I'll take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. What makes a house a home is presence. The issue is not the place. The issue is who you're with in the place. And that's how Paul ends this section. You'll be with the Lord forever. The place only matters because of the presence of Jesus. And this is not a new concept, Fellowship Fayetteville. It's not a new concept. From the Garden of Eden, when our fellowship with the Lord pre-fall had a full and a real sense of of incredible relationship and fellowship. Uh, to the tabernacle in the, wil- in the wilderness. To the temple in the Old Testament where heaven and earth would come together and God would meet with man. It's always been about presence. And in the New Testament, the temple becomes now us. It's the Holy Spirit now and dwells in us as believers and we have God's presence in it. It's an issue of presence. And as you look at the second to last chapter of our Bibles in Revelation 21.3, he says this, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. It's always been an issue of presence among his people and Paul understood the grand narrative and so we have the comfort here of presence as we consider the return of the king, and so for our far purposes today, based on Paul's own words, this is a the beginning of a snapshot that he gives us on what the return of the king looks like. Uh, for many of you, um, I haven't gone far enough this morning as we consider this scene. You'd like some times and some dates and some cool bumper sticker things that we could say about the rapture, right? That if you grew up in the '80s, you remember some of those case of rapture, this car will be unmanned. Michael and I were joking that it was extra awesome if you were driving around in a Pontiac GTA with T-tops. But there's more going on here, and I just wanted to, I didn't want to leave you in the cold on some of this, because we don't have the time to go into all the details, but here's a few other passages you might consider. Go to the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 7, specifically 13 and 14. you got a picture of what this looks like. As, as Matthew is communicating the gospel and its implications to the Jewish audience, you see that in Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapter 24 and 25. And then Paul, in one of his later letters, he basically uh, gives you a broader view of what's going on here in 1 Thessalonians 4 and, and uh, 1 Corinthians 15. And so check those out. Later, but suffice it to say, this event that we see here in these verses, they serve as a—it's an inception or an inauguration, if you will, of the beginning of this idea of the day of the Lord that will include tribulation, judgment, second coming, millennial rule, all of those things that we call eschatology or the study of last things. And this is the inauguration of that season in the church's history, but let's be clear, just clear summary of what Paul's given us today. The return of Jesus is visible. Uh, The return of Jesus is bodily. The return of Jesus is imminent. Those who have died in Christ are with and will be with the Lord, and those of us that are alive in Christ, we have the hope that is certain that we will be with the Lord. That's what Paul gives us this morning. Nothing more and nothing less. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And I want to encourage you with just a few implications this morning. Something you can walk away here with this morning and talk about with your children uh, on the way home today. We can live without fear of the unknown regarding death. Uh, Many people experience fear and anxiety when we talk about last things. That's not what Paul meant when he wrote this passage. There's no fear and anxiety in this. It's actually one of comfort and encouragement. And so, if you are in Christ in here this morning, you can be encouraged that there's a certain hope and a future for you, and it is and always will be with Christ. If you're not a Christ follower in here this morning, and this is new, and right now you're going, this is kinda why I thought Christianity was odd. Your mind's been blown this morning. I would ask you, to turn from trusting in yourself and what you think you can do to earn your way into favor with God and cast yourself in mercy, upon the mercy of God. And to believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe that God has raised him from the dead and trust him that he can and that he will save you from the wrath that is to come that Paul speaks of in this letter. It's the good news of the gospel that Jesus lived the perfect life that you couldn't live. He died the death you couldn't die to give you the life that you've always wanted, abundant life here and eternal life in substance with him later. We can live without fear of the unknown regarding death. We can live with hope, and especially this week, uh, church family, I would encourage you, we can live with hope that the king is coming. It's certain he's followed through on us, all of his promises, and he will follow through on this one, and we can know that our loved ones are with Christ and will be with the Lord. This scene up here, this graveyard is not the end. They are not there. Their bodies will meet their spirit one day in the Lord, and you'll join them in the air. And we'll be one with Jesus in this family. So today, Paul gives us clarity of promise. And Paul gives us comfort of presence. And this is good news for us this morning. Therefore, fellowship Fayetteville family, encourage one another this week with these words. Well, Father, thank you for the goodness and the clarity of your word, um, Thank you for the, just the foresight that you had to give us these words on this day, on this week, to remind us that you've got a plan that you're working and that plan is to reconcile us to yourself so that we could experience the fullness of your presence. God, give us the courage this week to believe these truths and to walk in them with all of our heart, our soul. In our mind, in Jesus' name, amen.
3: I want us to sing this old song together as an encouragement this morning that when we get to heaven, it's gonna be a day of rejoicing. So would you stand with us? For those of you who are young in the room like me, we probably won't even know this song. Uh, Let's sing it out. This is really good news. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus sing his mercy and his grace in the mansions bright and bl- to The of life we pay. this morning, we'd love to pray with you over to your right and my left through these doors in our prayer room. God bless you, Fellowship Fayetteville. We'll see you next week.